Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. All right, welcome listeners to episode 184 of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Taylor Ledbetter and I, Aaron Kramer, bring you everything you know from the past week of the world of financial markets and financial planning. So, hey Taylor, how's it going? Excited to do this. Um, this is going to be a special um, Secure Act 2.0 podcast. So, um, how do you feel about that? Um, we have a lot to go over. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> Yes. So uh, for listeners, uh, since this is a, a really tax heavy um, topic with the SECURE Act 2.0, I wanted to just provide a little disclosure uh, before we get started. Um, so I'd like to inform viewers and listeners that Jessup Bulk Management does not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors before engaging in any transactions. Okay, so that's our little disclosure before we start. So, um, Taylor, we have a bunch of information to run through. So, I figured we could just kind of switch off and talk about all the different topics that um, have come out with the Secure Act. So, I want to say it was a, a couple of weeks ago, it kind of got slipped in with the uh, omnibus spending bill of this uh, 4,000 page document that they snuck in with the spending bill. So there's a lot of really good info. There's a lot of changes. So if you're all right, I'll kick it off with the first topic. And um, perfect. So the first uh, first topic is going to be required minimum distribution. So um, with the first SECURE Act that was in 2019, uh, RMDs were uh, began at age 72. So Required minimum distribution or RMD is when you have to start taking money out of uh, qualified accounts or IRAs. And the Secure Act pushed that back to 72 years old. The Secure Act 2.0, under the new rules, uh, distributions will begin at age 73 if you are turning age 72, 2023. So um, age 73 will continue all the way until 2032. And then beginning in 2033, RMDs will be pushed back even a little bit further to age 75. So um, I think this is probably the biggest impact for majority of people or is uh, RMDs being delayed again. So um, my guess on why they did this is it's people are living longer. They're having a longer period of distribution. So it's nice that they can continue to delay those, um, especially if they're still working and things like that. So um, that's, in my opinion, one of the the bigger changes here. Yeah, and I think over time, we'll continue to see that age get pushed back <clears throat> as well. I, I agree. So as, as people, again, continue to live longer, um, I think it makes sense to give people a chance to let this money stay uh, tax deferred as long as possible for retirement. So it's nice. Um, I'll kick it off with the next one, unless you have anything else on that. Um, nope, that was pretty okay. straightforward. Yeah, that one's, that one's uh, one of the more simpler ones here. So yes. <laughs> the next um, change is going to be Roth-related changes. So um, there is a, an elimination of required minimum distributions for plan Roth accounts. So essentially what that means, um, under the current law, 
Roth IRAs are not subject to RMDs during the owner's lifetime. However, um, employer-sponsored plans like 401ks, 403bs, uh, governmental 457s are subject to required minimum distributions at age 72. What's nice with the Secure Act 2.0, uh, RMDs for those accounts are not going to continue um, starting in 2024. So they're eliminating required minimum distributions from Roth um, employer-sponsored plans or qualified plans, which is nice. So again, it makes sense. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that something like this didn't happen a little bit sooner because, you know, with the regular Roth IRA account, there are no required minimum distributions. But, you know, previously there were for the qualified plain Roth right. account. So I'm glad that this is one change they did include in this big bill. I think it's a, a great thing to add in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it makes sense given that they um, they eliminated the stretch provision for uh, Roth IRAs um, for inherited accounts. So again, if you're going to force people that 10-year window to give up that Roth status essentially for a retirement account, if it is uh, Roth money, um, it makes sense that you would eliminate RMDs anyway. So it's kind of that given. Yeah, point, right? for sure. That's, that's mm -hmm. a good one. All right. Uh, what do you have? Yeah. So kind of sticking with those Roth related changes, um, another change in this bill is the creation of simple Roth accounts and SEP Roth IRAs. So previously, simples and SEPs were only allowed for pre-tax funds, um, but now the Secure Act 2.0 is allowing these accounts for after-tax funds. So it'll take a little bit of time for employers to implement these new Roth accounts because uh, the IRS still has some policies and procedures right. that they need to put in place. Uh, but I think this will be a great addition, especially for smaller businesses who maybe deal with simples, for example. Yeah, exactly. So um, in, in the past, simple IRAs were all pre-tax money. So it's it's nice to give people the Roth option and um, simple plans are great because they're cheap and super easy to set up for the average small business. So I think that's just another incentive for, for employers to provide a plan like this. And um, I think that's I think that's a really great, great change that happened. So it's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I do too. It's a huge benefit for employees and employers too, I think. Right, right. Um, so just adding on to some more Roth-related changes... Um, employers' matching contributions are now also allowed inside Roth accounts. So like a Roth 401k or a Roth 401b, whereas previously employer contributions were pre-tax. Right. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'm I'm curious how that's gonna work because if it's after tax money, I I wonder if the employer would still get that tax deduction the write-off essentially i'm guessing they wouldn't because it is after tax money so i'd be surprised yeah. if a lot of companies are willing to do that um so that's an interesting one it's a cool it's a cool benefit but um i think i would need to have more clarification on what that looks like for for employers before they start doing that because i think uh, i think some might be hesitant to, to do after tax Matching. Yeah, yeah, you know, 
there are some details with you know the different topics that we do talk about today um, that are kind of still in the works so right. you just talked about the employer side of things um, that's still in the works but you know any amount that the employer does contribute to these Roth accounts are going to be included in the employee's income Okay. Um, and what's really nice is that these employer contributions to the Roth accounts um, are going to be immediately vested, which is another huge. Yeah, benefit. that's great. Investing, um, you know, the best way I can describe that is complete ownership. So say you transfer jobs, if you're 100% vested in your account, that means you can just transfer all the funds to your new employer. That's, well, that's the best great. way I can describe yeah, it. Yeah, that's perfect. That's that's a great way to describe it. That's awesome. So, I, mm -hmm. again, that's another huge benefit for for employees is um, it's hard to get a lot of Roth money in the past to to save all of that after tax money. So, when you are retired, it's completely tax free. But having no matching deposit that's after tax as well is really really huge. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, especially younger people that are starting out, they might have meet only up to the match and that's what they're going to contribute so mm -hmm. um that's again another benefit for them so pretty cool exactly i thought that was a good addition yes absolutely a lot of good a lot of good things are happening with secure act 2.0 but um mm -hmm. continuing with the the roth trend um so this is an, an interesting one it's uh high wage earners are going to be required to use the roth option for catch-up contribution so essentially what that means is um higher earning employees who do catch up contributions to a 401k, 403b, or other qualified plan are going to be required to use the Roth option, meaning it's going to be after tax and they're not going to get a deduction for that. Um, so it's not going to reduce their adjusted gross income. And typically you're going to be considered highly comp if you make 145000 or more per year. So um, if the plan doesn't allow for individuals to make up catch-up contributions to a Roth account, uh, the catch-up contribution rules will not apply to that plan. So that's a that's another interesting one. Mm -hmm. um, any thoughts there? Um, yeah. So I mean, like you said, there's a lot of good things in the Secure Act 2.0, but I would say you know this specific one probably isn't one of my favorites just because yeah, I agree. it's forcing those higher income earners to pay more tax because they're right. in a higher bracket um, for those contributions. So exactly. those are kind of my, my thoughts on that one. Yeah, exactly. So typically when you're doing a catch-up contribution, that extra 6,500 or 7,000, whatever it is right now, is the ability for you to reduce your taxable income. So mm -hmm. especially if you're a higher earner, that's kind of what you're looking for. And that's why you might be maxing out a plan and doing the catch-up is to, to reduce your taxable income in addition to saving for retirement. So that one's, again, there's always going to be give and take with these sort of changes. I think that one's a little bit of a, a take, right? Yeah, I mean, who knows? People may see this new rule and decide they don't want to do the catch-up contribution if they're right. a higher, higher income earner. So who knows? Right. So it could disincentivize higher earners to save, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Um, next one I got is the 529 to Roth IRA transfers allowed um, after 15 years. So this is huge in my opinion. So um, beginning in 2024, individuals can move 529 plan money. So essentially, if you're not familiar listener, 529 
is a college savings account that is uh, tax advantage. So you um, sometimes get a tax deduction depending on your state for putting this money in. It's tax deferred and it's completely tax free used for qualified college expenses. So essentially what is allowed now is if you don't use that 529 money after 15 years, you can move that to a Roth IRA. So um, there's a couple stipulations here. The Roth IRA receiving the fund must be in the same name of the beneficiary of the 529. 529 plan must have been maintained for 15 years or longer. Any contributions to the 529 plan within the last five years are ineligible to move to the Roth IRA. So if you're kind of planning late and saving for, for college within the last five years, um, those contributions wouldn't count essentially. So um, the annual limit on how much can be moved from a 529 to a Roth is the IRA contribution limit for the year, less any regular traditional IRA or Roth IRA contributions that are made for the year. So essentially it's pretty much gonna be 6,000 per year, right? Um, the maximum amount that can be moved from a 529 plan to a Roth IRA during this lifetime is 35,000. So that's another, uh, it's another great opportunity, right? So um, mm -hmm. for people that might not use all of their college funds or decide they don't want to go to college, at least they can still keep some of that money tax-free, right? Yeah. And, you know, if you're young and you decide you don't want to go to college and you have all this 529 money um, around, then that can just give you a, a jump start on retirement. Um, so I think this is a really, really good advantage that's been added in. But a lot of conditions do have yes, to be yes. met. <laughs> I think the most Absolutely. surprising was is that um, the one that surprised me the most was that the maximum lifetime limit was thirty five thousand. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, with the cost of college, I could see people having much, much more than that in a five twenty nine, mm -hmm. especially if the people that are helping save for them are really good savers. Um, typically, it's parents, grandparents, things like people like that that are saving for their child or grandchild's college. Um, but even say you're 21 and you decide you're never going to go to college, it's super nice to have 35000 to start in a Roth IRA. That's, that's a really, really big mm -hmm. start for, for retirement, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and who's to say that that 35000 will increase you know, right. over it, time? Hopefully it's so. indexed for inflation and things like that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, all right, so next, a, another new change is that Congress has added in some new options for surviving spouses who are inheriting their spouse's retirement account. So um, an IRA or a 401k that might be rolled into an IRA, for example. Mm -hmm. So all of these new benefits that I'm about to list off do start in 2024. So the first option for a surviving spouse is relating to RMDs. So um, RMDs or required minimum distributions for the surviving spouse can be delayed until the deceased spouse would have reached RMD age. So this is gonna be really nice for couples who might have an age gap. Exactly. You know, say the surviving spouse is 70 and the deceased spouse is 60, that surviving spouse 
wouldn't have to take any RMDs until the deceased spouse would have been 73. The um, second addition is that when RMDs are necessary, the surviving spouse will be using the uniform lifetime table to calculate the RMD instead of the single lifetime table that applies to beneficiaries. So basically what this means is since you're gonna be using a different lifetime table to calculate that RMD, um, the RMDs are gonna be much smaller and that's more you get to leave in your account and leave right. for the next generation. Um, and the third addition is that if the surviving spouse dies before the RMDs begin, the surviving spouse's beneficiaries are treated as though they were the original beneficiaries of the account. Um, so this would allow any eligible designated beneficiaries to stretch distributions over their lifetime um, instead of having that 10-year depletion rule. So yeah. I think that this is a great benefit. Um, I really like how they're making changes to the RMDs and having that delayed. And it's just going to save the surviving spouse a lot of money. Absolutely. And especially the if they're especially if they're financially dependent on the other spouse's accounts and things like that. Um, I think it could be really, really helpful for, for retirees and um, people that are dependent on those accounts. So that's, I think that's a huge mm -hmm. one. Again, there's a lot of good things coming out of this secure act 2.0. Uh, um, any other thoughts on that? I think it's a, mm -hmm. I think it's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty straightforward. Um, I like, I like everything that's been added regarding regarding that topic. Um, so moving on to the next topic, it involves um, catch-up contributions that are now gonna be indexed for inflation. So um, back in 2001, that is when IRA catch-up contributions were created. Um, and around that time, the catch-up contribution limit was a flat amount of $500 per year, and it wasn't indexed for inflation. Um, so it wasn't until 2006 that the Pension Protection Act actually doubled the original IRA catch-up contribution limit um, to a flat amount of 1000 but it still was indexed for inflation, and it hasn't been changed since then. So it's, it's been nearly 15 years since yeah, it's a long time. Been updated. Yeah, um, so starting in 2024, the new IRA catch-up limit will automatically adjust for inflation. So the inflation adjustments are going to be made in increments of $100. So by 2024, the new limit is going to be about $1,200. Great, that's great. Um, and something that's really interesting is that, you know, prior to the Secure Act 2.0, the IRA catch-up contribution limit was the only annual retirement limit that was not automatically indexed for inflation. That's funny. It kind of just got forgotten somehow. Um, but for a lot of people, that's their main source of savings, especially if they don't have a uh, employer-sponsored plan or they're self-employed or something like that. Um, that's that's pretty crazy. So um, mm -hmm. I think that was a really necessary one because 
being able to, when you're 50 plus $7,000 a year of savings, isn't really that much in the grand scheme of things. So it'll be nice for that to continue to, to increase over time. So I think that's a, that's a really, really good benefit that they, they probably needed to tackle 15 years ago. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I'm surprised they didn't do that a lot sooner. Every right. other account does it. So. Right. Yeah. Catch up for, yep. For qualified plans, the catch up is increased over time. So it's really okay. interesting. It hasn't. Okay. Um, I got a good one here. So um, there is an increased plan catch-up contributions for participants in their early 60s. So these are kind of a couple one-off um, years that you can make extra catch-up contributions. So under the current law, individuals who are 50 or older at the end of the calendar year can make an additional catch-up contribution to retirement accounts on top of the annual limit. So uh, for example, for a 401k, you can contribute 22,500 in 2023. Um, if you are age 50 or older, you can also contribute an additional $7,500 in 2023 for a total of 30,000, right? So that's the current law. What's happening in the future is gonna be um, individuals who participate in a qualified plan, uh, 401k or 403b, and who are only the ages 60, 61, 62, and 63 will have their plan catch-up contribution limits increase uh, to the greater of uh, 10,000 or 150% of the regular catch-up contributions starting in 2024. So essentially they're making it 10,000 now or they're indexing it for, for inflation as well, right? So um, similarly for simple plans, participants who are the same age ranges 60, 61, 62, 63, uh, catch-up contribution limits increase to the greater of 5,000 or 150% um, of the regular simple catch-up contribution. So um, there's an example here. So the greater of 10,000 or 150,000, 150% of the future uh, regular catch-up contributions. So uh, when 150% of the 2023 catch-up contribution it's already going to be over 10,000, um, 75,000, 7,500, excuse me, times uh, 150% is 11,250. So essentially, um, as of 2023, those people in that early 60s can contribute an additional 11,250, which is nice. So I think this is really helpful for people that are really narrowing in on retirement. So a lot of people think is retirement age is 65. So I think this is just giving them an opportunity to save a little bit extra those last four or five years, right? Yeah, so, and um, I think a lot of people will probably take advantage of this. Absolutely. Like you said, um, retirement age, I would say on average is around age 65. And, you know, those last few years are crucial for some people. And mm -hmm. so I think this is definitely going to be taken advantage of. Right, yeah, but a lot of people, these are their kind of their late 50s, early 60s, they're gonna be in their highest earning years. They're gonna to wanna to save as much as possible on taxes if possible, right? I, I know there's new rules with the, if they're highly comped uh, for the uh, Roth option now that they have to save those catch-up contributions too, but say you're not highly comped or you're on the threshold, it's a good way to sock away a bunch of money, shelter some taxes and, mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a great benefit. I like that. I think um, people, a lot of people kind of make a mistake and start saving late. 
So this is a way for them to really save a lot uh, towards the end of their, their working career. Yep, I agree. All right, um, next one I have for you is gonna be new rules for qualified charitable uh, distributions or QCDs. Um, so essentially a QCD is donating right out of a retirement account to offset your required minimum distributions each year. And um, under the current law, individuals who are 70 and a half years old are able to donate up to 100,000 um, to one or more qualified charities. Um, with the SECURE Act 2.0, beginning in 2024, the QCD limit will change for the first time. Um, and it, it again will be linked to inflation. So beginning in 2023, taxpayers may take advantage of, also I should say, beginning in 2023, taxpayers may take advantage of a one-time opportunity to use a QCD to fund um, charitable remainder unit trusts or CRUT and charitable remainder annuity trusts, which is also called CRAT and uh, charitable gift annuity, uh, annuities, I should say. So um, those are just some estate planning um, accounts for people that wanna leave money to charities after they pass. So essentially you're, you're getting some more flexibility there. Uh, a little bit more information, um, the maximum amount that can be moved in this once in a lifetime distribution is $50,000. Uh, again, this is going to be adjusted for inflation, which is nice. Um, so it would be hard to imagine a scenario where it would be worth the taxpayer's time and expense to set up a CRUD or a CRAT for only 50000 um, So that's a good point. Um, those are fairly expensive and time intensive to set up. Mm -hmm. So most people that are doing that, it's for a, a pretty serious estate um, to help shelter some estate taxes. But again, it's a little bit extra that you could convert to that, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. A couple other points here. Distribution to a CRUT or CRAT will only count as a QCD if such trust is funded exclusively by the QCD, okay? And uh, further limitations say that there are only income beneficiaries of such qualifying CRUT or CRAT can be the IRA owner and their spouse. So essentially, CRUTs and CRATs just to give uh, listeners a really brief overview, charitable remainder means you're going to get income or an annuity stream over your life or the beneficiary's life. And then once you both pass on, that money is going to go to charity. And it's it's a, it's a little bit complicated. And if you have questions, that's a, it's a great topic for an estate planning attorney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I liked this new addition, but... These, you know, these charitable trusts are typically for higher net worth individuals. Um, right. And some of these limitations, I'm not a huge fan of. I think it makes everything a little bit more difficult. Um, so I don't know how much of these types of transfers, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I think it would be, I think it'd be rare, um, in my opinion, but it's a little bit extra. My my biggest takeaway is QCDs are going to be indexed for inflation in this part, yes. right? So I think that's mm -hmm. huge. Mm. All right. Um, any other thoughts before we move on to the next topic? No, no, I'm ready. All right. So this next topic, it's going to be kind of a long one. So <laughs> um, there are some new rules for accessing retirement funds and avoiding the 10% early withdrawal penalty. 
Um, so I know I've talked about this a little bit before, but I'll just reiterate. Um, currently, there is a 10% early withdrawal penalty from retirement accounts. So an IRA, for example, um, if you withdraw funds before you're 59 and a half. Now, there are some exceptions to that, and that can include if you need money for higher education expenses, um, deductible medical expenses, death or disability. So that 10% penalty is still in place, but Congress is just expanding their list of exceptions. So I am just gonna kind of go through this list. So it starts off, um, the 10% penalty exceptions are if you work as a private sector firefighter and you are age 50 and older and separated from service, if you work as a state or local corrections officer or other forensic security employee and you are age 50 and older and separated from service, uh, adding on to that, if you're separated from service before you reach age 50, but you've performed 25 or more years of service for the employer sponsoring the plan, that is also considered exempt for this, this penalty. Um, and for that last point I made, the 25 years of service does have to come from one employer, it can't be split up between two or three. Wow. Um, so still going down some of these additions. The next one is that Congress has permanently reinstated what's called a qualified disaster recovery distribution. So this means if your primary residence is within a federally declared disaster zone, you can take a distribution within 180 days of the disaster. Um, but the maximum dollar amount that you can take for that distribution is $22,000. So kind of, again, going off this qualified disaster recovery distribution, there were also changes to being able to take loans out for any kind of disaster. So you can also take loans from any qualified plans of up to 100% of your vested balance. And normally the limit is the greater of $10,000 or 50% of the vested balance. Um, and the maximum loan you can take now is $100,000. So it's a pretty big difference yeah, that's a big dollar wise big there. yeah because you know the greater of 10,000 or 50 percent which was previously the right. rule right. up to a max of a hundred thousand uh, it's a pretty pretty big deal um so continuing on with some more exceptions the terminally ill exception was also expanded from having 24 months to live to having 84 months or seven years to live. Um, all distributions must be repaid within three years. So going from 24 to 84 months, that's a pretty big expansion to the 10% yes. penalty exception. 
Um, now, this next exception, which is pretty interesting, um, relates to domestic abuse victims. So this starts in 2024 or later, they're not 100% sure, but it authorizes victims of domestic abuse to withdraw up to the lesser of $10,000 or 50% of their vested account balance without incurring that 10% um, early withdrawal penalty. Um, so any distributions made from a defined contribution plan within one year period after that individual has become a victim of domestic abuse um, and all or a portion of that distribution must be repaid within three years. Um, so when I read that rule, I didn't see too much um, additional information. Right. So I'm sure they're still kind of working through the weeds on that one. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. I, I wasn't expecting to see, you know, something like that in this new bill, but I think yeah, it's I great. Think that's, it's great to expand reasons why if people really do need access to money, especially in a terrible circumstance like that, mm -hmm. if they need to move or do something like that, I think that's, that's huge for people. So uh, it's another great addition to Secure Act 2.0. Again, I know there's been some, some give and some take, and I think that one is, is great. Yes, yes, I, I agree. Um, all right, so the next exception is regarding emergency withdrawals from retirement accounts, and this begins in 2024. So taxpayers who experience unforeseeable or immediate financial needs that relate to necessary personal or family emergency expenses the limit is one distribution per calendar year at a maximum of $1,000. Um, and if there is, you know, more than one emergency withdrawal, um, that can be taken until the earlier of the following. And that includes um, prior distributions having to be fully repaid. Um, or regular deferrals and other employee contributions made to the plan. Since the emergency withdrawal total at least as much of the amount of the distribution, um, or three years have passed since the previous emergency withdrawal. Um, so just whichever one of the earliest those three happen uh, is when you can take subsequent emergency withdrawals again. Um, again, not too many details regarding this topic. I'm sure Congress is still working out all of all of the details, but that starts in 2024. All right, so continuing on with the list of exceptions, we're almost done. We just have a couple more. Um, so this one starts in 2026, and it allows retirement account owners to take a penalty free qualified long-term care distribution. Um, and that is for the lesser of 10% of their vested balance or $2,500 annually to pay for that long-term care insurance. Um, but the long-term care insurance premiums must be equal to or greater than their distribution in the year that the distribution is made. Um, and you also have to provide your plan with a long-term care premium statement, just kind of detailing 
some information. And the last exception to this 10% penalty um, is for annuity payments. And those annuity payments can now meet 72T distribution requirements. Um, and that starts immediately. So you can make partial transfers or rollovers to other accounts as well. And that was previously disallowed. So right. a lot yeah. of new, a lot, a lot of, of new, new exceptions. exceptions. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of those are really great. Um, it's good that people are in a bind to avoid that 10% penalty. Um, really, in my world, this is just if, if people think of hardship withdrawals that avoid the 10% penalty. This is what those are expanding. So that's great. Um, I really like the annuity payments uh, for the 72T distribution. So what a 72T rule or clause is, Essentially, if you take substantial equal payments, you have the ability to access retirement money, 401ks, IRAs before 59 and a half, right? So for a lot of people, say they retire at 54 or 55, they can take substantially equal payments, which is a, usually has been a pretty rigid rule um, until either five years or they turn 59 and a half. So it's a really great way for people that if they've saved really hard and have one money in the 401k, they want to retire early, they have the ability to do that. Um, but annuity payments now meet that as well, which is which is great. So um, also nice, you can make partial transfers and rollovers. Mm -hmm. So in addition to all the exceptions, I think the, I really like the relaxation of the 72T rule. It's a, it's a big one. Yeah, yeah, I do too. That was, that was definitely one of my favorites as well. Um, and then just adding on to the, I like the qualified disaster and expanding some of those limits. Um, the emergency withdrawals, I wish the maximum was a little higher than a thousand, but maybe right. that's something that will change over time, but right. it's a yeah, good start. So, yeah, absolutely. It's giving, just giving plans more flexibility for, for participants, which is great because mm -hmm. a lot of people, their, their retirement savings can unfortunately be a backup if they don't have adequate savings. So um, it's good to give them a little bit more access to that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Again, don't recommend it for clients, mm -hmm. but it's if it's an emergency, you can certainly certainly use it, right? All right. Um, next topic I have is the creation of linked emergency savings accounts. So um, with the Secure Act 2.0, effective in 2024, individuals who participate in an employer retirement plan. Um, may be able to link an emergency savings account to their employer plan, um, and such accounts will not be available as a standalone individual account. So um, essentially what I'm kind of getting out of that is it's kind of like a backup emergency account that's tied to your, your 401k or 403b, whatever it may be. So I think that's nice that that kind of gives people a way to save not have to tap into their true retirement funds, as mm -hmm. well, right? So I think it helps people avoid those hardship withdrawals and helps people avoid that 10% penalty, which is good. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a little bit more information here about it. So um, you can't be highly compensated to be eligible for this benefit. Um, and you can't own 5% more of the business. So it's kind of those highly compensated key, key person rules. Um, 
and you can't receive more than 135 in compensation in the previous year uh, for 2023, and you are not in the 20% of the compensation at the employer. Um, eligible employees' contributions must cease once the balance in the account attributable to contributions reaches 2,500. So I think that's kind of where you were saying $1,000 is kind of small for emergency withdrawals. Maybe in a plan structure like this, 2,500 is a little bit better. So I think that's a cool, that's a cool idea. And I think it, a lot of people do tap into their retirement accounts too early. So if you can kind of gently force people to save 2,500 bucks, that's an emergency fund. I think that's really great. I do too. Um, I just wonder, you know, how, how, how everything's going to, yeah. How, how is everything going to work out? How it's, you know, going to be put in place, <clears throat> utilized, just things like that, that we still uh, are waiting on some more information. Right. Yeah. So what's funny is that we're still waiting on clarity from secure act 1.0, right. We still <laughs> don't have full clarity there on RMDs and all that stuff yet, but um, especially with the 10 year, draw window. Um, but again, it's, it's nice to see a lot of these changes are, are aiming at helping people, which is mm -hmm. good. Okay. Um, there is a new kind of, uh, expansion to able accounts. Um, so essentially an able account is for disabled people and, and their family members. So under the current law, um, able accounts may only be established for individuals who become disabled prior to turning age 26, right? Um, ABLE accounts are essentially a tax advantage savings account for individuals with disabilities and their families. So again, for people that are disabled, they may not be able to work and have earned income. So they couldn't necessarily contribute to a Roth IRA or something like that. This is an account that kind of accomplishes that for people. Um, so effective with the SECURE Act 2.0 for 2026, ABLE accounts can be established for individuals who become disabled prior to age 46. Um, so that's a 20 year difference, which is huge. So um, you don't have to be age, um, under age 46, you must only have been under age 46 at the time you become disabled. So um, I think that's great. What are your, what are your thoughts on it? It's, it's nice to give people expanded options mm -hmm. yeah no this was one of my favorite additions as well um because the the article where we got a lot of this information from uh, was from michael kites uh, and you know he kind of pointed out that you know a lot of conditions you know medical conditions mental health conditions may develop or happen before you are 26 so by adding that 20 years, it's really gonna include a lot more people for this kind of benefit. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, that's great. Um, all right, so moving on to our next point, it's gonna uh, relate to qualified first responders. So it can include um, law enforcement, firefighters, and EMTs. So currently, if you are a disabled first respondent and you receive a disability pension or an annuity um, that relates to your service, generally those amounts are excludable from income. 
but once these first responders reach their regular retirement age, their disability pension becomes a retirement pension and it's no longer excluded from income. Uh, now, the SECURE Act 2.0 has made changes starting in 2027 where individuals can carry on that tax-favored disability payment through their lifetime. So whatever those nominal amounts for that qualifying first responder um, were that they received as a tax-free payment prior to their retirement age, they can continue to receive as a tax-free payment after their retirement age. That's so, great. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great, especially if people or these people were injured and um, they are receiving some sort of disability pension. I think it's great to continue the tax-free free status of that. So um, mm -hmm. I think that's that's huge for a lot of people. Yeah, it's going to be extremely, extremely helpful. Um, so our, our next addition in the SECURE Act 2.0 uh, involves sole proprietors and LLCs. Um, so under current law, um, taxpayers have been able to create and fund certain SEP IRA accounts uh, after the end of the year for the previous year. So for example, um, a SEP IRA that was maybe created in June of 2022 uh, could receive contributions for 2021, um, even though no plan actually existed as of 2021. Um, but under the new act, um, sole proprietors and single member LLCs can establish and fund solo 401k plans with deferrals from a, the previous tax year uh, up to the due date of the individual's tax return. Uh, so basically, this is just allowing you to contribute uh, as a, a prior year contribution, right. whereas that right. wasn't allowed before. Right, right. So I essentially, if you're filing in April or you um, you would have the ability to fund that all the way up until April of the following year, right? Yeah, and I know a lot of people um, do make prior year contributions, so I think yeah. this is going to be a popular one. Yeah, and it's helpful for people that most people don't know exactly what their tax liability or situation is and, until through the end of the year, so if they have an idea, you can incentivize them to make a prior year contribution. So I'm all for incentivizing people to make retirement contributions and giving them expanded flexibility. So again, I think it's another great one. Um, any other thoughts on that topic? Um, nope, that one was pretty straightforward for the most part. Right. We're uh, we're getting closer to the finish line here. There's there's a ton of information on the Secure Act 2.0. So listeners, uh, this is a longer one, but we're going to continue to dig through it here. Um, next topic is going to be new relief for retirement account mistakes. So um, Typically, each year, retirees that are above 72 or 74 and 73 have that required minimum distribution. So there is going to be a reduction in the 50% penalty for missing an RMB before the end of the year. So starting in 2023, the 50% penalty for an RMD is reduced to 25%. However, if the shortfall is rectified within the correction window, the penalty is reduced uh, all the way to only 10%. So um, the correction window begins generally on January 1st of the year following the 
uh, year of the missed RMD and ends upon the earliest of the following dates, um, which is the notice of deficiency is mailed to the taxpayer when the tax is assessed by the IRS or the last day of the second tax year the tax is imposed, okay? So um, there's a statute of limitations for missed RMDs now and um, most excess contributions to be tied to form 1040. Um, previously, penalties were reported on Form 5329. The problem was if you didn't realize you missed an RMD or went over the annual limit in contributions, uh, the form was not filed, right? So now penalties will be filed on Form 1040. If an individual is not required to file Form 1040, the statute of limitations or clock for those penalties will begin uh, ticking upon the tax filing deadline. So um, again, if something like this does happen, obviously you want to speak with your accountant, right? Um, finally, uh, we got two more topics. Expansion of the employer plans compliance resolution system to address IRA-related issues. And uh, finally, confirmation slash clarification that IRA-prohibited transactions only disqualify the involved account. So um, those are a little bit more complicated yeah. informations, but I think the big takeaway is the reduction of the RMB penalty. Right, because uh, a fifty percent penalty, in my my opinion, is just crazy. So twenty five is still high. Um, Ten percent is better. So I think if mm -hmm. people get that corrected quickly, that's that's great. So I think um, I think that's a really really good thing to use those uh, penalties a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't tax the individual <laughs> nearly as much. Right, right, and a lot of people. Uh, Older people may just forget or get confused and um, if they don't have an advisor that they're working with helping them do that. They may just not know. Right. So right. not be intentional. It's it's just an error. And 50 percent was kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that happens a lot, too, um, regarding the, the missed forms. You have an elderly person who doesn't even know they miss an RMD. Well, then they don't even file the form. So it's nice that there were there are benefits now to both sides of that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, next topic is going to be annuity related changes. So um, first topic is qualified longevity annuity contracts or QLACs as they're commonly known. Um, QLAC is an investment vehicle that allows funds in a qualified retirement plan, such as a 401k or 403b or an IRA to be converted to an annuity. So essentially, um, you have a 401k, it's a, the ability to have an annuity in that 401k, essentially. So um, the current law, the maximum like, amount that can be used to purchase um, an annuity with a 401k or an IRA um, is 155,000 for 2023. Now with the Secure Act 2.0, the maximum amount is gonna go up to 200,000. So a um, little bit of a change there, kind of nice um, for people that do want guaranteed income or an annuity with these retirement plans, right? A um, couple other topics regarding this, um, income annuities held with qualified accounts, so you can do that now, and expansion of eligible investments for variable annuities and variable universal life policies. So it seems like most of these um, regulatory changes, there's always a few expansions of annuities so it's for people that do like that stuff 
it's uh, it's there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great addition as well. I don't know how much, you know, I don't really deal too much with QLAPs, um, but it's nice that they raise that maximum amount. Um, all right, so going on to our last topic, um, it's just kind of a, a group of, of random things that were added into this bill. Um, so I'm just going to go down the list. And so the first one, it begins in 2024 uh, and employers will be able to amend their plans to allow employer matches to go towards student debt that is paid by plan participants. So I think that is a great benefit to employees and a great option. And I'm glad that was added Absolutely. into this bill. Yeah especially with the amount of student debt that's out there now, a lot of people, mm -hmm. they can't afford to contribute to a retirement account because they're servicing that debt. So they might be missing out on that matching contribution. So I think that's really huge that if people are paying down their debt, it's nice that they can uh, still get that match towards their mm -hmm. retirement plans. Yeah. And it's it's nice that it's not coming out of your salary. <laughs> you right, get a little bit right. from your employer. Um, all right, so the next edition, it begins in 2025, um, and many new 401k and 403b plans are going to be required to include auto enrollment. Um, now, there is a list of exempt employers, and the list is kind of long, um, but it includes employers that are less than three years old, church plans, government plans, simple plans, and employers with 10 or fewer employees. So this is really going to impact employers with, you know, more than 10 employees. Right, um, right. So, you know, think 401k, 403bs. But I think this is really great because I know a lot of people probably do not enroll in these plans. So mm -hmm. to have that automatically done, I think is amazing. Absolutely. I agree. Um, all right, so next, this next rule begins this year, and employers with 50 or fewer employees, the retirement plan startup credit is now going to be allowed up to 100% of planned startup costs, and the previous limit was 50%. So this is a nice benefit for uh, employers and this is going to be for smaller businesses right yeah that's great for small businesses that uh, a lot of the reasons small businesses may not offer a retirement plan is because there's a pretty significant cost associated with starting the plan the annual record keeping and uh compliance that goes around all of it so it's nice that if they can write off all of those startup costs i think it's going to incentivize people to to start these plans, right? Yeah, we'll hopefully see a lot more people saving for retirement. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right, so next item is also effective this year, um, and it's for employers who offer non-highly compensated military spouses special plan benefits. Um, they are now eligible for an additional credit of up to $500 for each military spouse for up to three years um, per spouse. Great. Cool. 
Um, the next one is the effective in 2024 and employers with simple plans are going to be able to make additional non-elective contributions to plans up to the lesser of 10% of an employee's compensation or $5,000. Um, I think this is great because I do know simple plans typically have, um, you know, lower contribution limits right, yeah. compared to a 401k or 403b. So it's nice that they're getting a little bit of a boost. Absolutely. Yeah. So most simple plans, it's typically two to 3% either safe harbor contribution or match. Typically mm -hmm. see. So it's nice to see that expanded. Yeah. And um, the next point is, again, kind of relating to uh, simple plans. So uh, starting in 2024, simple IRA contribution limits for some simple plans will increase, not all, but specifically for employers with 50 or fewer employees, the deferral and catch-up contributions will be increased by 10%. Um, and employers with between 51 and 100 employees can give employees the same enhanced deferral limits uh, if they increase their matching contribution to 4% and their non-elective contributions to 3%. Uh, so those matching contributions will increase for some employers next year too. Right, that's great. All right, and the last change <laughs> that we're gonna go over, um, this starts in 2024. And it's actually a new type of employer-sponsored retirement plan. Um, so it's called the Starter 401k Plan. Um, and it's going to be an option for small businesses. And again, there's going to be auto-enrollment, but no employer match. Uh, and the contribution limits are going to be similar to IRA, so around um, 6,000, Cool. So That's, we don't have details neat. on that one yet, but that will be interesting right. when it comes out and we get some more information. I think that could be a good one as well. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of these changes aren't for a couple of years um, or even more yeah. than that. So, um, but that's a, that's a great one. So if people aren't really willing to take the initiative to open an IRA and fund it each year, having that starter 401k, that's probably cheap and easy to set up for employer sponsored plan. Um, even though there's no match, I think with the auto enrollment, it's just going to start forcing people to save without them realizing, which is which is a good thing in my opinion, right? So um, when there's auto enrollment, people can always opt out. So it's not forced, but um, most people, they don't think about it. They'll contribute kind of the, the minimum that's required. And um, I think that's a, that's a great thing. Okay. So... Um, I know that was a lot of information for the listeners that, again, the SECURE Act was a 2.0 was a, a massive, massive document with massive amounts of changes. I know we only covered some of it. There's there's even more to be covered, but um, I think we covered a, a really good amount of the kind of what could impact the average person or majority of people. Um, I just kind of wanted to, to highlight my top four or five takeaways from, from this uh, Secure Act 2.0. So my biggest ones were further delaying RMDs um, and the expanded Roth options. So all of the different Roth changes that are happening, the elimination of RMDs, simple and SEP Roths, 
um, Roth matching contributions by employers, the 529 to Roth transfer, and the highly compensated Roth catch-up uh, requirement going forward. Um, and the last two was uh, catch-up contributions for IRAs indexed for inflation. And the last big one that I thought of was the special qualified plan catch-up for those early 60-year-old people. So those were my biggest takeaways. Obviously, there's a lot of good changes happening uh, in the Secure Act 2.0. So any final thoughts before uh, we kind of leave it there? Um, no, I mean, I agree with you. I think everything that came out for the most part was pretty beneficial to, to everybody. Um, it's it's kind of nice that all these changes aren't happening all at once. <laughs> that would <laughs> yeah, especially be, for you and well, I, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's good that it's kind of spread out and it gives individuals, you know, the, the chance to learn or plan for these changes. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, um, just kind of wanted to re reiterate that disclosure again, if they do have questions around these changes and taxes, that's a great question for an accountant going forward. Um, but I uh, appreciate listeners listening to this, this long one here. Again, um, if you have questions, reach out. Um, but the Secure Act 2.0, it's a, uh, I would say overall, it's a really great thing for, for retirees and savers mm -hmm. going forward. It is. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. There you'll find links to every episode of The Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved.